word of prayer. My prayer this morning, Father, is a simple one, that you would give me a heart for your word and a word for our hearts. Amen. When I was a kid and you went to the movies, you could tell who the good guys and the bad guys were. In fact, it was a Western. The good guys wore the white hats and the bad guys wore the black hats. It's not quite the same anymore. Sometimes the bad guys are the good guys and the good guys are the bad guys. There's that twist at the end. So I have a little story for you. It's an old story about a young man in Montana who bought a horse for $100. And the farmer agreed to deliver the horse the next day. However, when the day arrived, the farmer had no horse. I'm afraid the horse has died, he said. The young man said, well, give me my money back. And the farmer says, well, I can't do that. I already spent it. The young man thought for a moment. And he said, okay, just bring me the dead horse. The farmer said, what are you going to do with a dead horse? The man said, I'm going to raffle it off. The farmer said, you can't raffle off a dead horse. The man said, well, I'm not going to tell people he's dead. Just watch. Well, a month later, the farmer and the man met up, and he said, what happened with that dead horse? And the young man said, well, I raffled him off. I sold 500 tickets at $2 a ticket. I made $998. The farmer said, did anyone complain? The man said, well, yeah, the guy who won. He said, so what'd you do? He said, I gave him his $2 back. <laughs> now, you have to ask yourself, who's the hero in this story? Is it the wise young man with the, the dead horse raffle or the farmer? Well, that's the problem with this scripture story today. In fact, uh, Benjamin, my son, the pastor, and I, I, I bet we had a half an hour verbal wrestling competition over how to interpret this gospel. And neither one of us won, and we could see the other's point, but we didn't want it to be our point. So here's the problem. Who is, and this is rhetorical, who is the landowner? Who's the boss? Who is the servant or the steward who gives everything away? And who are the people that lower their bills? Because there's a lot of dishonesty going on through this whole story. And many people focus on the dishonesty. In fact, that's where my son is going this morning. And, and I, I, I wish him well with that. He should be preaching right about now or he might be done already. But then I had to sit back. And if you've been following along in Scripture, the last several weeks when we, we read, it said Jesus was talking to the Pharisees, or he's talking to the multitudes. And this one specifically says Jesus was talking to the disciples. That says something to me. Out of, you know, out of the talk, he focused on the disciples. Well, when he focuses on the disciples, he's also focusing on us. If we call ourselves Christians, we are automatically in this part of the story. So then I had to ask myself, what was the, what was the impetus? What was the, the situation that created this parable? And I want to take a step back because sometimes we try to read parables word for word and apply them to our lives, right? We, we don't really grow mustard seeds around here. 
We don't have many mountains to move into the ocean. We live in South Jersey. It's relatively flat. How do parables apply? So I found this. It's written by Ron Levin. And he says, the nature of Jesus' parables is to serve as a wake-up call to people who are missing the purpose of life. The parables of Jesus are like a bucket of cold water thrown in our face to wake us up to what life is really about. The parables of Jesus are not moral example stories. If this parable of the shrewd manager was a moral example, we'd be in real trouble. The hero of this parable is an unjust rascal who is trying to save his own neck by working compromised settlement with his master's debtors. Where's the integrity in his actions? Where's the moral example? Why should we hold up a man who is cooking the books? Jesus tells the story of the shrewd steward who cooked the accounts, not because the man is a good moral example, but because, here it is, he wants to tell us the real values in the kingdom of God compared to the false values of this world. The parables of Jesus are stories to remember. If we let them do their job, they will come rushing out of the past and wake us up today. We don't have to focus on the shrewd manager. But you know what? He still didn't tell us what the shrewd manager's sin was. How did this whole situation stop? Now, if you were following along, it says that came a report about the manager to the owner of the land that he was wasting the resources. And I had to look that word up in the Greek. I'm sorry, this is your Greek word for the day. It's diaskorpizo. That's a, that's a word everybody needs to know, diaskorpizo. And it means to scatter, disperse, squander, or waste. He wasn't stealing from the master. He was misusing the things that he was in charge of, the blessings or the resources or the talents or the gifts that he was given. Now, I don't know about you, but just looking up that word and swapping in squander for waste in the reading opened up the passage for me. Jesus is talking to the disciples, preparing them for a time when he's not there and saying the greatest sin in this parable is squandering what God gives you. Now, I don't know about you, but that gives me some Holy Ghost goosebumps because there are many things that God gives us that we, we miss or we don't appreciate. Now, I want to start with the why do we squander before the what do we squander. Why do we squander our opportunities? Well, sometimes it's for fear of rejection. Uh, I love this. I'll put out new instruments in, in class, and all the kids are like, ooh, ah. They all want to play the new instruments, but when I ask somebody to come forward, they're all a little bit shy because nobody wants to play the instrument poorly. Even though I tell them over and over and over, you've got to practice an instrument. It takes time. And I tell you, you've got to practice your faith. It takes time. All of a sudden, these kids who are fascinated don't want to be embarrassed or rejected by their friends. Sometimes we squander the opportunity because we don't want to be the person who's different. Because the person who's different can be ridiculed or mocked or bullied or shunned. 
Now, I, I learned this from the teenagers at camp, but some people have FOMO. F-O-M-O. The fear of missing out. If I do this, then I won't be able to do this. And we squander our opportunity because we're always looking for the next better opportunity. Some people tell themselves, well, I'll get to it later or next time, or it's not that important. Or what if I lose my family or my friends or my job? What really confuses our priorities as a church sometimes is when we choose programs over people or our image over humility or numbers over commitments. Now, there's a children's sermon, and you've seen me do it on occasion, where you write the word joy vertically, J-O-Y, and it stands for Jesus first, <coughs> other second, and yourself last. So, what do we squander? Now, you know me, I like a good list. And you don't have to raise your hand, but this is going to zap some of us, or it might zap all of us. Some of us squander time. Some of us squander opportunity. <coughs> Some of us squander money. We were having this talk backstage. I, I hope one day, and I don't know how this would work, but they put a camera backstage at the opera so you could see what's going on. I mean, when we're on stage, you can see the singing and the moving. You have no idea what's going on backstage. So Amy, my friend, came up and she said, Doc, what, what kind of people do you think get married? And I said, well, you know, I, I really say two things right off the top. There's always a hot and there's always a cold. There's always one spouse who's always hot and one spouse who's always cold. She goes, that's true. I'm the cold. And I said, and you know, I've also noticed that there's always one spouse who's a spender and one spouse who's a saver. Oh, she says, well, I'm the saver. And I said, well, me too. So then Noelle comes up and she goes, what are you talking about? Amy says, this is so cool. You're married. She goes, yeah. She says, are you the saver or the spender? And Nicole starts making a face like this. <laughs> she says, well, I don't know. And I said, well, then you're probably both the spender. And she says, that's very true. So Amy started an informal survey of all the married people backstage as to whether or not they were the saver or the spender. Money is a, is a tough resource to deal with, with which to deal, sorry. Have you ever missed an event? Somebody invited you to go and you didn't get to go and then you heard that they're like the Shekinah glory of God had landed and there was prayer and praise and like, oh, I missed the event. We squander our education. Sometimes we squander beauty. And, and I'll, I'll be honest, I live in a beautiful setting but sometimes I'm so focused to getting to where I need to be, I forget to appreciate where I am. We squander our talents and our gifts. There's some amazing musicians out there who never wanted to put in the time, and they're not singing. And there's writers who aren't writing, and there's painters who aren't painting, and builders who aren't building, because they're squandering the gift that God gave them. There's churches that are squandering their resources. I'm always sad when the church is empty. Churches should be full, not 24-7, but you know where I'm headed. We, when I was at the ball ministry, we had 
morning activities, afternoon activities, evening activities. If the mall ministry was empty, and it was empty every Monday from 9 until noon, anybody want to figure out why? <laughs> yeah, Terry. Because that's when they got cleaned. Right? The cleaning people really didn't want us in there doing Bible study or stained glass or carving. So from 9 to noon on Mondays, it was closed. But other than that, our goal was to keep it filled. We saw, I missed this, we saw 170 average decisions for Christ every year. Because the doors were always open. Sometimes, and I want you to hear this, we squander our worship. Now, I don't know if you could tell, but I really like the hymns today. Could you tell that? <laughs> Rejoice ye pure in heart. I love that one. Put it on the list for once to sing at my funeral. And the Michael W., great is the Lord. So the theme I picked for today was rejoicing. Why? Because sometimes we squander worship. We're worrying about, do I have enough in my checkbook for the tithe? And, are we going to have a trustees meeting right after church? And will I get the Ponzios in time or will I have to wait in line for 25 minutes? And we're so busy with our brains being someplace else, we forget where we are. We squander fellowship. Sometimes, think about this, we squander scripture. People have Bibles in their house that they've never opened. It, it's just on the coffee table or on the bookshelf. Oh, yeah, I have a Bible. Yeah. Having it is not enough. You've got to open it. Some of us squander the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Think about this. If you're a Christian and the Holy Spirit inhabits you, the Holy Spirit is trying to help steer your boat. But you don't have to listen. And how many times do we say to ourselves, oh my goodness, I should have listened to the Holy Spirit. And now our boat once again is sinking. There's a minister who has a friend who works downtown, and his friend is something of an enigma because he grows hot and cold about church and religion. But they're good friends and have a good relationship, and they meet for lunch. On one occasion, the pastor went to meet him at the office for lunch, and he sat down to talk before they went out, and the friend looked out his window, and he said, Pastor, I think I've got it figured out. The big guy is going to ask two questions when he gets up the gate. So now we know that that guy has never been to my church because we know there's only one question when you get to the gate, but this guy has two. Question number one. What did you do with what I gave you? And question number two, who did you do it for? Well, that's the answer, isn't it? Or what's the answer? Little to big. Say, has anybody heard the name of Smith Wigglesworth? Okay. Smith Wigglesworth. Now I can't say it. Smith Wigglesworth was a, uh, a preacher in England. Charismatic preacher. And one day he was asked, how could one come to possess, my lips aren't working, great faith? And he said, now listen. First the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. Faith must grow by soil, moisture, and exercise. Take the little things and grow them into big things. Remember when we were kids, there was that, that, that sign that said, From little acorns, mighty oaks grow. 
or I call it the three A's, awareness, appreciation, and attitude. Are you aware? Are you looking for the blessings and the resources that God gives you? Second, do you appreciate the blessings and the resources that God gives you? And third, what is your attitude towards the blessings and resources God gives you? Remember, Zig Ziglar, who I love, says your attitude determines your altitude. So two final thoughts. You remember when you had to read Gulliver's Travels in high school? And there's all, we all talk about Lilliput with the little tiny people. There's several places. There's a place with talking horses, and there's a place where Gulliver's actually little, and it's run by giants. But we know about Lilliput. And he's shipwrecked on Lilliput, and he falls asleep on the beach. And these little tiny people capture this giant. How do they do it? With thousands of little tiny ropes that they shot over him. So that when he wakes up, he can't move because of all these thousand little things holding him back. i got to tell you, the enemy shoots thousands of little ropes over our lives every day. Little things to pull us back from focusing on the blessings and the resource that God has given us. I want you to think about that. There are thousands of little things in each of our lives that Satan is shooting over us like the Lilliputians over Gulliver that hold us back from seeing the blessings of God. What we're really looking at here is a paradigm shift from worldly values to kingdom values. Jesus first, others second, yourself last. And how do I know that? Because he started with the sin of the dishonest manager, which was squandering, and he finished with an instruction. If you're faithful in little things, I trust you in big things. So you have to ask yourself, are you faithful in the little things? Are you letting God grow you? Are you like Smith Wizard Wigglesworth encouraged us to be? Are you growing little from the, the blade to the ear to the full corn? Or are you still just the blade? Tony Evans' wife, when they lived in Texas, audited classes at a local college. And he used to tease her. Because, you know, when you audit a class, you don't get any credit. You don't have to do the papers and you don't have to take the tests. You're allowed to go and watch the class and be interested and learn, but there's no actual accountability. And then it hit him. He said, most Christians are auditing the Christian life. They're showing up. <laughs> They're taking advantage of the teaching and the fellowship and the worship. And then when it comes time to live that life, to use the blessing. They're squandering them away. I don't know how you're going to pray this week. I don't know what you're going to pray this week. But first of all, please pray for King's Fest. Because wouldn't it be wonderful if we could praise God because some people in the prayer tent came to make a first-time decision for Christ. Pray for King's Fest that the music ministers to our heart and our community and we become a beacon where people can say, that's the place to be. And thirdly, pray for your place in King's Fest 
and more importantly, your place in the kingdom. You have talents, you have abilities, you have blessings, you have resources. Don't be like the man in the parable and squander them, but celebrate them and share them with the people of God. Amen.